All right. So last week was chapter 25, of course, and we had the Jesus talks about the 10 virgins, which is about being spiritually prepared and being ready for the second coming because it was and that was in response to the disciples asking the question of him because he's been talking about end times. All the stuff that we studied in Revelation, he's referring to some of that, which a lot of that comes from from Daniel and Ezekiel and all that. So he's been talking about when when he's coming back. And the disciples said, when's that going to be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And Jesus basically said, nobody knows. So anytime that you hear all these preachers trying to figure out when it is, they're violating Jesus' prescription that says, don't worry about it. He, sa- uh, he says, nobody knows. And he, he, he talks about some of the signs that we know from, from Revelation. But he told, so he goes into the story of the 10 virgins that just says, be ready that when, when he comes back, let let him find us, his followers, doing things that we should be doing. Don't don't fall asleep. Don't get tired. Um, and that's the what the parable of the ten virgins talks about, where five of them have kept oil for their lamps, so that when the bridegroom shows up, they can light up their lamps full blast and go out and meet him. And the others had to go buy some oil because they ran out of juice. Um, it's like battery for their flashlights. They ran out and uh, had to go get batteries and then they didn't get to go into the wedding party. That was all it was to it. Then the parable of the talents, which is about being faithful with what you've got. And then the the separation of the goats and the sheep, that that was Jesus' explanation and answer to their question about when is that, all that going to happen, which takes us into chapter 26 today. And this is why we need Jeff. Because he would already have this fixed. But I can do that right quick. Wednesday and notes. And here we are. Okay. Now, okay, and I've told y'all that and most of this chapter 26 is in math is in Mark chapter 14 and Luke chapter 22 because Matthew, Mark and Luke are are the synoptic gospels they're the ones that kind of basically are just telling a straight history telling what happened just like if you had your diary and it tells what happened to, for today but if you're a poet you're you're John he tells what happens, but he tells so much background and, and stuff that happens on the side that the others don't as much. So his is quite different from, from the one the part that's just like kind of like the 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 evening news of, of what's gone on for the day. And I don't mean the national news, I mean like our good Oklahoma Oklahoma news, KOCO or whatever. So uh so Mark chapter 14 and Luke chapter 22 is where a lot of, of most of this chapter is. And I'll tell you when it's not, when they're not parallel to each other. Now it came to pass when Jesus 
had finished all these sayings. So that means right after, right after he finished the things that he was talking to his disciples about, um, he finished these saying that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is a Passover and the son of man will be delivered up to be crucified. What was the Passover? What, what was the Passover looking at? It, their escape, their exodus from Egypt. Um, and what happened, you're all familiar, uh, they killed the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost. They had unleavened bread. Why unleavened bread? Because they weren't going to be able to keep yeast anymore, uh, uh, like a sourdough starter thing, because they were going to be traveling. And so they traveled and did unleavened bread. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover meal and all that stuff it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The whole process is that's happening, but it's all about that Passover lamb. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to be delivered up to be crucified. You know that that the, the Passover lamb, they would take care of that lamb and all. And, it, and then... He's a member of the house. Yeah, and then... It was delivered up to be the Passover lamb and not it. That's not like the sin offering or any or or the offerings that were made at the temple and all that stuff, but delivered up that same way. And so there's that parallel of, of Jesus being a type and shadow, which is what the Passover lamb was. Then the chief priests, the scribes and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, remember that name, Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. So their plan is to do it after all that. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, whoops, Simon the leper, it should read Simon the farmer leper, because if you were a leper, you couldn't have people over to your house. You couldn't even have a house. You'd live out in a colony outside of town somewhere, some in some cave or something like that. So there in Bethany at the house of Simon the farmer leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. What is alabaster? Uh, alabaster is the bottle that it, it's made. Alabaster was a, a type of really fine marble that was almost like glass. And so they would, and I think that what they did was they would put the, that oil in there. I mean, perfume. Uh, one of the one of the accounts in. Mark or Luke says that it was about a pound, but it was probably it was something that was 13 ounces. So like when you go down and buy a fancy bottle of uh, Bob Mackie perfume or something down at the at the drugstore, that's where I get Pam's fancy perfume. <laughs> um, she likes a, she likes a couple that I mean, for an ounce, they cost a ton. Well, this is 13 ounces. It, it was worth a lot of money. It was worth almost 300 denarii. What is a denarius? 
The denarius is a day's wage. So if it's over 300, that's a year's wages. It's worth a year's wages. So in our dollars, that would be like thirty, forty thousand dollars Can you imagine? And how many of you have watched uh, The Chosen? Anybody watch The Chosen? Well, and I, I like that because The Chosen has some of the very practical kind of side things that go on. Like they're trying to figure out how to live because none of them have jobs anymore. And they're trying to figure out if they sold these grapes, could they get this money? And somebody, a fairly wealthy woman comes and they talk about, you know, you could sell some of your jewelry. So you don't understand the rep, what this jewelry represents and things like that. But they're all trying to figure out a way to make ends meet. So this woman who in, uh, in, John chapter 12, verse 3, it says that this was Mary, Mary, the brother of Lazarus. I mean, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, Mary, right? So the one that sat at the feet of Jesus in John chapter 12 and Martha comes and says, why don't you tell her to help me? This is that same Mary. And and Jesus said when that happened, he said, no, she's chosen the the what? The one, one needful thing. The one what thing? Needful. Needful. Oh, that's right. Okay. The one need. He said that's I, essentially saying that's the. She's really chosen the important thing because we could do without eating. This is that same Mary, and they're coming with complaints again about Mary's devotion. So they said, uh, Came having an alabaster flask, a very costly fragrant oil. Even the bottle was worth a lot, and she just broke it. Um, but when his disciples saw it, they are, uh, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. There's two different things where a Mary, and this may have been a there was another Mary that washed his feet with her tears. That was a different. That was a different Mary. It was a whole different deal. It's totally different. She pours this on his head and uh, as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. This is the, his disciples. Um, and, well, in, in one of them, in John... Uh, this says it was the disciples, but in John, it says Judas was the one that was saying, and it said, because he was the one that kept the purse and um, that he's the one that complained about it. So, and it doesn't really matter. And all the disciples got in on. Make a whole sermon on why the waste. Why the waste? Okay. You want to say more about that? Well, it wasn't a waste. That's right. On the on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. You, she gave her best. She gave her all. Yes. She submitted it. She gave away a year's wages. It was extravagant. Yes, very extravagant. But that's what that's how we should be towards Jesus. Extravagant. How, what are we willing to give up? I mean, yeah, that's a good sermon right there. Okay, but look what Jesus said. Look what Jesus said. But when Jesus was aware of it, not when he heard it. So Jesus has an awareness of what goes on without 
even hearing. He, he knows people's thoughts. When Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. Almost that thing. She's done what's needful. Um, a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. Is Jesus saying we shouldn't give to the poor? That's the opposite of what he said all along. But he does say there's priorities in ministry sometimes. And sometimes you got... It's it's a little bit like what he said in the Mary and Martha thing. He told Martha, he said... You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're you're taking care of people. You're doing the ministry that you're called to, which is to serve people and care for them and feed them and and wash the dishes and things like that. Anybody want the ministry of washing the dishes? Okay. She's he said you're she you're doing that and she's doing something else. And uh, the same is true here. Sometimes we take care of the poor, but sometimes we do something else. Um, for you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. There he's telling what's going to happen again. Did she know that that's what she was doing? Now, uh, she doesn't want to believe that he's going to die, but I'm wondering if something spiritual, because of all the time she spent sitting at his feet, that she knew and had an understanding about what was going on even beyond what her mind, her flesh knew. And so she may have known what she was doing. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Now, we don't often talk a lot about Mary and this thing, but that it, the event does stand as a memorial. Uh, and just hold on to that. The kind, what kind of memorial do you want? your remembrance to be because that's one kind of memorial. We're going to have another memorial in just a moment. Um, What this woman will be told is a memorial to her. Then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him up to you? And they count. And I think this accelerated their plan. They're saying, this is an opportunity that we can't let go to waste. We don't want it to happen during the feast or anything, but but we're going to take advantage of this opportunity that we have because maybe we can make something happen. And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver, so from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. That's the second memorial. What If I say the word 30 pieces of silver, what do you think of? Betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it goes along with that. Uh, Shakespeare used it a few times. Uh, it's it's it literally is a memorial to betrayal. But Joseph was so many pieces. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't thirty. Yeah. Um, well, what what was that silver worth? Those coins. 
I meant to look that up, Jimmy, and I didn't do it. Um, I suspect that it would be, it might be a month's worth of wages. It might have been a denarii. But he was just greedy. He didn't matter. Right. That's the way I see it. Well. I have a question about Judas. I'm not, not defending him. Poor Judas. But do we know, is everything we think about Judas in hindsight, do we know anything about Judas before he griped about the other than that he was an apostle. But is there anything before, you know, he gripes about the gift and gripes about how much money could have been given to the poor and that kind of thing? Well, Jesus called him friend. And the Bible says he lays down his life for his friends. Except it's two different words. It is? It is. When it says he lays down his life for his friends or he, he was friend of sinners, that word is phylos. Um, just like phileo, yeah. love. Brother that's love. a that's affectionate. But I that's, that it, you know, that's brotherly love. But the word that he uses there, where is it? Um, the word that he uses instead. Um, where is that? Well, Judas said, I mean, Jesus said, "Walk through the midst of them." You know, when they want to walk through the yeah. So I think Judas probably thought he would just walk away, dude. You know. Oh, I think Judas was a Judas was a type of zealot that he wanted to accelerate the government change, and so he was trying to get the Romans out, and he wanted to force Jesus to do something big. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I don't know about Judas. Where is Judas right now? Think. I mean, just think about it. It doesn't. Okay, Sarge, do you want to answer? I don't think he's in heaven. Okay. Why? Because Jesus said better that this man not ever be born. Right. But he preached to him indicating him. that something bad happened to him. Yeah. Not just the mystery well, Jesus. But something eternally bad happened to him. Well, for two thousand years his he's been known as Judas Iscariot, and all the other other Judases are known as Judas not Iscariot. Because to be Judas Iscariot is pretty bad, and that's that. three names that you will never hear people name your children. Okay, go ahead. I know what the names you're going to name. <laughs> Judas, Jezebel, okay, and Nimrod. Oh, I thought you were going to say Hitler. You've disappointed me. Okay. You be insulted. I'm I'm pretty sure my dad's called me Nimrod before. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure mine did too. He was trying to encourage you to be smart. <laughs> Nimrod and Jezebel were derogatory names. Now, when is Sheba got 
a testimony, and so did Mary. Right. A good testimony. Yes. And, and Judas and does have a bad precious. one. When she poured that stuff out on Jesus' body, our treasures are in heaven, not in this world. Okay. But, so, but Judas walks on earth with him. Right. When he killed himself, went to hell. Did, and Jesus went to hell and ministered to those. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, he had the opportunity. Possibly. That's right. Okay. So, I did want to point out there's two memorials. One is Mary, uh, of self-sacrifice, and Judah's selfish, opportunistic uh, desire to have what he, what his vision of a good life is, that he's trying to make that happen. So, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is what the Passover feast is part of, and it went on for several days. And this is what everybody came to Jerusalem for this. If you could only go to Jerusalem for one, one deal, this is what you went for. Uh, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? A big deal, big, big deal. And so they know that something's preparations have to be made. And he said, go, in the, to the, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. That's a very Reader's Digest version of what's in Mark and Luke. And, and Mark and Luke are almost identical words. It's, it's very strange. That's one of the reasons why some people say that they some biblical uh, theologians uh, say that they think that, some, that Matthew and Luke were copied from Mark. Uh, but it doesn't matter, and I don't think that. I think they stand independently and were created independently under the under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that they, t- well, like Luke wasn't there when all this stuff happened. He got that his he got his from maybe from Mary, mother of Jesus, Mary. Um, but look at what it says in Mark chapter fourteen, and I made it a different type, so I would be able I'd be reminded of the difference. And he sent out to, and look, look how much detail there is. And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. So Jesus is saying, just go in there and the guy's going to come walking down the street with a pitcher of water, which is weird because women carried the water, not men. Uh, so this is some kind of servant. Follow him, just follow. Whoever that guy, just follow where he goes and wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Hold it right there. Most likely this person that owns the house and he he was wealthy enough to have extra room in his house. They actually, the word right there, the guest room actually is, is the same thing that's translated in. And so people just had extra rooms in their houses. I think we've talked about that before. They had extra rooms in their houses for people that were traveling and they'd give them that thing. 
So this guy must have known who Jesus was. When they say the teacher, he goes, oh, no problem. Where's the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, upper room, furnished and prepared, there make ready for us. So the disciples went out, came into the city, found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. So, when, uh, okay, just for the record, in John's version of getting ready for the Passover is the only place it has where Jesus washed their feet. But John was there, and so I don't doubt that that's exactly what happened. But John's, John chapter 13 has Jesus' feet, and that would be stuck in here. And then we have verse 20. When, uh, when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. One of you will betray me. Um, and this, okay, and it starts over at Matthew 14, Luke 22, and John chapter 13. So th- th- what happens now is in all three of the, or all four of the Gospels. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, uh, and each of them began to say, Lord, is it I? I mean, you don't want to be that one. And he answered and said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. That's... Uh, he might as well point his finger to <laughs> So he must have been... I mean, if he said that to the whole group, wouldn't you make sure you didn't put your hand in the dish? I think he told that to the a couple that were right there, close to him. Uh, so... Uh, the Son of Man, he who dips his hand will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? No, okay. Judas does know about it. He said to him, and I mean, maybe that's the opportunity for him to think, have a second thought. Maybe maybe I shouldn't do this, but he has his ideas about how. Uh, and this is a, this is an interesting question we ask ourselves: How often do we have ideas about how we think things ought to go, and that we don't submit it to the Holy Spirit? Do we don't submit we don't submit what our ideas about the way things should go in our life, the way they should go in the church, the way they should whatever. We should always be submitting it to what the Lord. And I believe Jesus gave him an opportunity there he said to him you said it you said it and as they were eating jesus took bread blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body uh, i think jesus still judas is still here taking the passover meal with them and taking this new version of the passover meal which we know is communion Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples. He said, take, eat, this is my body. Well, I I thought this was supposed to represent the Passover lamb. Exactly. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of a new covenant which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. The, The old blood... 
when it, on the doorpost and was the sign for the Passover. That was the Old Testament. This is the new covenant. Uh, I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. When they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So they're on, tradition says that they were on the, uh, in a house southwest of the Temple Mount. And then they went, they went east down the Kedron Valley and up the other side to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives was where a bunch of olive trees were. Um, Gethsemane was the olive press. That's what that word means, Gethsemane, uh, uh, olive press. Uh, those, there are still olive trees on that mount even today. Even after the Romans have come through and torn, they're still, and I would guess that they're the same, of the same olive trees. So they went out to the Mount of Olives and Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And that is what happens eventually. We'll, we'll see that before we're through with the book of Matthew. Um, oh, I left out the, um, in, in Luke stuck in between uh, the, the Lord's Supper and where he says to Judas, well, you said it yourself. Stuck in between there is the argument from that's recorded in Luke where they're arguing who's going to be the greatest disciple. That's, that was in there and I left that out. Sorry, forgot about that. Said, all of you will be made to stumble. All of you will be made to stumble. Who do we know stumble? And who do we tell the story about most? Peter. Peter. Denied him. Dine three times, but but we'll see. All of them will be made to stumble. I'll strike the shepherd uh, before I and I, but I go before you to Galilee in ver, in chapter twenty eight. We'll see Jesus does that exact thing. He he appeared to several people in Jerusalem after his crucifixion, but he appears to uh, several hundred by the time he gets to Galilee. Um, And Peter says, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I'll never be made to stumble. Famous last words. And Jesus says to him, assuredly I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, what time does the rooster crow? By dawn. Yeah, so five, six o'clock in the morning, whatever. Uh, By their reckoning. Um... Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I'll not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Not just Peter. Not just Peter. All the disciples. And that had, and it had to be that way. It was foretold in Isaiah that it would be that way. Peter was the outspoken. Yeah. That's the problem. Sometimes you can get stay out of trouble just by keeping your mouth shut. I've learned that over the years. I'm just going to be quiet and see what happens here. 
but all the disciples did say it. Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. Now, in the others, we know that it was Peter, James, and John. The three that were the inner circle. They're the three that were at the transfiguration. Those, that inner circle group. They're the ones that went with him. Uh, and we know that from uh, John, at least. Uh, and James and John were the brothers, the sons of Zebedee, that Jesus called, referred to as the sons of thunder. Okay. Uh, and he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And so he takes them a little bit closer to where he's going to be praying. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul, he says to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Watch with me. Um, what do you think they were watching for? That he knows what's happening. The betrayal is coming. Jesus know, he knows about it already. Uh, watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face to pray by himself saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus was a human. He was fully a man. And what, what do you think if Jesus was agonizing and he, and he knows he's going to die, what do you think he's worried about the most? I mean, is he just worried about dying? I don't think that's it. What do you think he's worried about? Any ideas? Leaving his disciples. Just leaving his disciples and his friends. I, I mean, he's just like us. We, uh, my dad, as, he, as he's dying a, a couple of years ago, my dad... the. Once he figured out that he wasn't going to be able to have any treatment, he wasn't going to get over there, so that he was going to die, I want all the people to come. And I want my friends. And I, I mean, that's a normal, natural thing. So I think that he's also concerned about what's going to happen. Did I accomplish what I came for? Because these disciples, I don't think they're ready. They weren't. They weren't. He'll, we'll find that out this very in about an hour. We'll find that out. The disciples aren't ready. They don't know how to calm a storm. Even though he said, if they just understood about the loaves and the fishes, it would make all the difference in the world. But they didn't have that. So I think his biggest concern is that I, all of this was for nothing. Do you want to comment? Okay. Jesus wept. Why? Over Mary and Martha and Lazarus. No, over the nations of Israel. Jesus wept when Lazarus died. Right. But the same reason that he is distressed in the Mount of Olives here oh. and asked the disciples to stay with him, O Jerusalem, thou that killeth the prophets. Yes. And he did that at the triumphal entry. And he's just, he's agonizing over Jerusalem. That's he's correct. He's agonizing over the Jewish nation. Right, right. Because he has to die and go to hell. Right. And be risen on the third day. Right. He does this as God and the Son of Man. And man. That's right. That's right. So he says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. We're all familiar with that. 
And if you ever want to know whether Jesus is human or not, that's it. Ne- but he says, nevertheless, uh, not as I will, but as you will. If Judas was unwilling to submit himself to what God's plan was, Jesus is, the, is not. He is willing to submit to whatever God's plan is. Then he came, and he's willing to give that up. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what? Couldn't you watch with me for an hour? That, does that mean that he was in there praying for a whole hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's a good, that's a good verse to remember. Again, a second time he went and prayed and said, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink of it, your will be done. Um, that's a little bit different, is it? isn't it? He's, he, he, in praying for the cup to pass, he said, If the only way that, it, that it's going to pass is that I drink of it, let, let's get her done. Um, and he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, they're tired. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, he's still talking to these three, he's still talking to these three, and the others are just a little ways off there. While he's still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. There's no, um, there's no sneakiness about this. Except they're worried about Jesus getting away again. So they're trying to kind of have a surprise at what's going on. And Jesus has worked out a signal, right? We all know what that is. Now his betrayer had given him a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. The kissed here is not, I mean, e- even in, in France and in the Middle East, when they'll kiss both cheeks and stuff like that, this is, the kiss that is talked about here is a more of a lingering kiss. I mean, he didn't kiss him on the mouth or anything like that, but it's, it's they got, he got, it's a lingering kiss. Whatever it is, is make sure that they see it so he makes it last a little longer. And uh, immediately he went up to, uh, kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, not filet, not philo. He, it's te, uh, telio, uh, tele, where am I? Uh, eterios, eteros which means clansman or almost like a family person, a member of the family. Uh, friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword. One of those who were with Jesus, who was it? Peter. Peter. Big mouth again. Struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. <coughs> he was targeting 
Yes. Exactly. He doesn't have a lot of experience with all this, and um, he's a fisherman. Now, he's probably, if, that, if the guy that was trying to arrest Jesus had been a fish, he'd have been in a lot of trouble. But he missed the ear, or he missed and gets his ear. Uh, we have in... Uh, we have in, oh, I've turned over the wrong page. In, um, where it, okay, Luke chapter 22 says that Jesus put his ear back on, that Malchus was the servant of the high priest that got the ear cut off, and, that, and Luke says that he stuck it back on. And Jesus said, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my... And this is, this, is, this is what I think Judas hoped would happen. Don't you think that I could pray to my Father and He'll provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? The Amplified Bible says that's 80,000. Wow. It's 72,000. A legion was 6,000 troops. More than 80. Okay. Uh, a legion, six legions would have been 72,000. That's still a lot of angels. That's whatever it is. Uh, that's a heap, a heaping bunch of angels. How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? This is all supposed to happen. In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, in that hour, he said to the multitudes, I mean, so at that same time, he says to that whole group, the multitude, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you didn't take me then. Why did they do it that way? Well, they're sneaky. They they can't get away from it. They've already said, we're going to wait till after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And I think there were practical reasons too why they did why they wanted to wait and they just do it at night. We'll see why they do it at night because they they Sneak. they carry on some shenanigans and we're almost at where it's seven thirty. So I'm not sure where we can a- happen. But he said, "I was there, right there with you. You could have me any time." But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled because it has to happen in a certain way. Uh, all the stuff in Isaiah has to happen a certain way. Then all the disciples, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Um, where am I? I'm lost here. Fifty, fifty-one, fifty-two. Uh, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Um, I'm not sure if I want. Yeah, I'm going to say that here. I think. Do I have it? Nah, we'll wait on that. Then all the disciples took him and fled. And we'll start back up with Caiaphas. Yeah, we'll stop right there. And we'll come back next time and go on to what the next step is. He, it says that, uh, that it, they took him to Caiaphas 
But that's not what happened. Because Caiaphas had a father-in-law named Annas. And he had been the high priest about 30 years earlier and had been kicked out for causing problems. And so after him, he had, he had four of his own sons who were, followed him up as high priest. And they also didn't do right. But Caiaphas has been essentially the, the de facto high priest for almost 40 years now. And Caiaphas, even though he has the name high priest, he ain't the high priest. Annas is the high priest. And that's who they take him to first. We know that because that's what it said in... Um, that's what it says in John chapter 18. That they went to Annas first and then to Caiaphas. And, and we know that not... We know that from Josephus' writing. And Josephus was a, was a history professor and his uh, history of the world from that time is very authoritative and recognized by all kinds of societies and so we depend on the writings of Josephus to tell us a lot about what went on so um, and he has a lot about Annas the high priest and tells us so much detail